Good evening, you're listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me today is the full panel for a change. Uh, first, we start off with Three Moves Ahead founder, Troy Goodfellow. Troy, welcome to the show. It is good to be here with everybody I love who is on a podcast. <laughs> I like all the qualifications. Yeah, that, that was a lot of qualifiers, wasn't it? <laughs> well, yes. We also welcome, of course, our, uh, well, you just heard him there for a second, freelance writer Julian Murdoch. Good afternoon. And finally, we welcome back our elite irregular panelist, uh, Bruce Garrick. Hello, gamers. I'm eating Hostess Ding Dongs. Wise life choices from the doctor on the show. <laughs> Always good to hear. <laughs> Tune in next week when Bruce is smoking a pack of Luckies and downing a <laughs> bottle of Jack. I may be doing that now. <laughs> anyway, uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, our... Uh, our former intern, Soren Johnson's uh, upcoming game, Offworld Trading Company. We've been playing around a little bit with uh, an early version of the game, and we it's it's enjoyable. It's also a really unusual uh, take on the RTS, just as Soren kind of uh, promised from the start. So uh, I think we'll just dive in because really this is this is a bit of a discussion of uh, some games we were playing yesterday uh, all together, uh, but. To sort of set the stage a little bit, uh, Offworld Trading Company is the uh, first game from Soren's Mohawk Games, and uh, when he when he announced it, when he launched it, he, he said he was going to try to take the RTS format, but in a different direction, away from combat and into some other formats uh, that would maybe the, the RTS genre is not explored, but also might help make the uh, format a little more accessible. Uh, so it's not like StarCraft, where you know every every few seconds, if you're not doing something, you're losing. Maybe something that's a little easier for people to sort of wrap their brain around uh so let's uh you know julian it's been a while since you've been on the show let's kick it over to you uh what is this game so uh, you know it is at its core an economic rts um of which it's hard to come up with a real comparable right there's no there is no military in this game you are you are competing with from one to seven other players to uh, maximize the wealth you can extract from the Martian surface uh, and and occasionally by sending things off into space to sell them as well. Um, so you are fundamentally gathering resources, processing those resources into more valuable goods, uh, maintaining a system of um, production facilities and, and buildings effectively, um, expanding your colony so that you can keep building more. So it's, I think, very very familiar to people who've played really any RTS, but it's taking that narrow sort of resource management component, which is often just almost an afterthought in, in a regular RTS, and really expanding that out. I mean, I think there are six, seven primary resources, maybe more than that, maybe nine or ten primary resources, another four or five uh, sort of produce resources that you you know combine other resources to make, um, and and that's really the core of the game. Which I was I was talking about this to some other folks, and that doesn't sound that compelling, except that the systems here are really elegant and nicely interwoven and the choices are all really interesting about which way you build your economy um and so it's even in this very early unpolished stage it's incredibly fun and engaging um although as it is right now it needs balance and there's some broken things but i mean come on this game's still a year out yeah i mean this game is uh you know i was thinking of trevor chance capitalism series but i don't really think that fits because you know the one thing about this game is that there, it's really about it's sort of the uh, economic, uh, the the commodity markets really, um, and it's a it's a, as much of a trading game as it is a sort of an economic sim. 
Um, we were we were talking yesterday when we were playing the game that there are no there are no building dependencies. Uh, you have resources and you mine them or extract them, whatever you do, uh, and then you just uh, turn them into things. And uh, you know you can build you, you can build uh, any building you want as long as you have the goods that you produce from certain you know, certain resources. But um, but you don't have you know build trees in that sense. Um, I, I there was a game I can't remember I should have looked it up before we got on that was that used to be a um, uh, one of these online um, kind of a real time online strategy game before those things were really a thing and you kind of had a city and you were managing resources and they were um, you know they would accumulate over time in the same way I'll have to figure out what that game was um, it didn't do well obviously um, but it seems like this is a game that is really, really built for multiplayer. It plays so differently mm-hmm. in multiplayer than it does uh, in the single player. Did, what did you think? What did you guys think about our games yesterday? I mean, we, we played several of them, um, and it, they had an, an interesting pacing. It certainly wasn't the pacing that you normally have of a, uh, you know, in the StarCraft or the, you know, Rise of Nations or things like that. I, I like that this morning I woke up thinking about different ways I can sort of optimize my, my builds in, in some ways. Because I, I think the, the, the dilemma I found myself, uh, you know, impaled on yesterday, basically, is that in addition to this being sort of a commodities game, this is also a game about running an off-world colony. Like, your people still got to eat, they still need power, they still need oxygen, and to get goods in from, uh, you know, the, the sort of resource extractors you got around the map, uh, you need to be able to fuel the shuttles uh, that are making these supply runs. And so I, I really enjoyed that I, I never... There was always this real tension between sort of scaling up my economy to the more lucrative finished goods in the game, your, your glass, your chemicals, uh, your 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 goods, uh, which is which is one of the things you can uh, you can sell on the market. But then also there was this this real need to have my colonies' food and water uh, and electricity needs actually met, and it was interesting, kind of this. Um, this this weird uh like prisoner's dilemma situation almost where i could afford to sort of ignore getting my own water if one of you guys was going to keep selling it on the open market for for just some spare cash and keep that price depressed then it made sense for me to just buy it off the market but if it ever happened that like suddenly nobody was selling a vital good on the open market uh i was just getting torched uh as my company went into debt uh just like buying food and water off the uh off the market at just these insane rates so that like you know just to keep my colony running i was just like dying by degrees even though i was exporting really lucrative goods it was it was kind of this it, I, I liked the whole guessing game of trying to figure out like what people were were going to be going into and what they're going to be putting on the market and where the opportunities were for your best uh your best trades and and all that stuff is scoutable too which i think is really interesting the default in this game is you can see everything everybody else is building now it doesn't pop up and say you know rob just built an iron processor but you can go look at their colony and you can say oh this guy's building like four glass factories glass is going to get cheap because he's going to be he's going to be dumping that glass um and and that I found to be a really I didn't get that at first. You certainly don't get that when you're playing the single player game at all. And it took Bruce kicking my ass a few times for me to realize that this game really rewards 
focusing on the things that you believe are going to be the most valuable because there's implied scarcity um, because of the underlying good that that's behind it um, or because um, you buy a one of the super buildings which lets you create false scarcity in the market um, so there's ways to manipulate the world to make it so that you're building the thing that is the most valuable and ultimately this is a whoever has the most money wins game although there's sort of an interesting stock market mechanic the way you actually win is by buying up your opponent's stock uh, to, in, until you literally buy them out of the game um, which I think is very clever and probably the least formed part of the game right now I think that could be really more interesting um, and I hope that more gets developed with that sort of end game because really right now it's just a whoever has the most money wins so much of this game relies on the map you get, which is really nice to see in an RTS, where the map will change your strategy from game to game to game. I mean, if there's no, if there's a, like one geothermal place, which churns out tons of energy for your uh, colony, that's great, but you can't rely on it. I mean, you want to grab it, but you can't rely too heavily on it because that gets hit by a mutiny or is destroyed. Then you're out of power and you're running a huge deficit trying to keep that going. If there's a shortage of silicon, like only a couple of silicon nodes on the entire map, then everyone's paying through the nodes through for silicon. So whoever controls that controls the market price of silicon and can have a monopoly on it. So it's really, so having the idea of, you know, what is the best build path? What should I be doing? It's kind of hard because you need to do this land rush at the beginning to grab a really neat spot. In some maps, there really are no neat spots. It's all craters and valleys, and that gets in the way of expansion. But So you do this land rush, and then you realize there's kind of this this prayer that you guessed right. <laughs> and that you say, oh, I, it's a great aluminum spot there. I just grab this aluminum. Then you realize there's aluminum everywhere. So, yeah, you're not shipping the aluminum to your colony and paying the fuel, or you don't have to build a lot of mines for it. It's just because your colony is on top of it, it just, I guess, sucks it up through the ground. But that's not a huge issue in the long right. run. So there's this, that's an interesting thing. I like, I kind of like the land rush aspect, but it runs so much against the long-term trends of a single game, which are, what does the map look like in general? Um, you can't wait too long to get your first colony down because every moment you waste, someone else is making money and grabbing more claims and upgrading. So you have to make your most important decision where your colony goes with the very least information available to you. Yeah, and I think that that's a really, um, a really interesting aspect of the game is how much that initial game state matters. Um, the uh, just for the listeners, you know, the, what you're presented with is you're presented with a uh, just this little snapshot of the map. You have a large, whatever size map, and then you can only the, only the center is visible or center on your screen. But there's you, you see which whichever part you're you're placed in, and then you slowly um, reveal it using scans. And the more scans you use, uh, the lo- the more time you spend before you fil- found your colony, the more scans you get. But once you found your colony, your scans go away. So at that point, you get sort of a fixed reveal of the map periodically. Uh, the longer that you wait, the more chance you have of finding something that would be useful. But the further you are behind your uh, behind the other players, and uh, and and like Troy just said, you know, initial variations in that game state uh, can really make a lot of difference early in the game. And I was taken back to something Soren said when we were talking. I think we were all on talking about Drive on Moscow. And he said that the difference 
in Drive on Moscow, uh, I think, was that the uh, the game, there were more important things that happened in the game early than happened late. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that the game didn't feel as sort of flowed as well as, as Battle of the Bulge, uh, because so much depended on the sort of early uh, German attacks that if, if they didn't go well, then you were kind of hosed. And if they went really well, then the Russian was going to have a hard time um, hard time compensating. And it's, it's weird to put so much emphasis on the early game. You, you sort of try to put more emphasis on the late game. And that's kind of how I feel that the game that Offworld Trading Company feels right now, because if you can be the first person to grab an aluminum or, you know, grab a, a, a lot of iron, a lot of aluminum, get a steel uh, mill going, there are all these things that kind of snowball from that. And especially the stock part of the game, which uh, Julian was mentioning, there's a, there's a really neat trade-off in the whole game between sort of, um, you know, the supply and demand of the commodities, and there's also how much money you spend, you can go into debt, and then there's a stock price that you have that reflects sort of how well you're doing, but it also reflects debt. Unfortunately, we were playing a, uh, I think it was an easy handicap game, and what I found in the easy handicap games is that you're, a lot of things don't matter as much, so you could just sort of ignore some things, like, oh, I'm not going to just, I'm not going to really uh, build any power, I'm just going to buy it all from the market, I'm going to go into debt, because, you know, you have to feed your people, you have to power your buildings and everything, you 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 never stop doing that. Um, it just you have to buy it on the open market, and your your debt will go up and up and up. In our game, our stock price wasn't really reflecting that. Then I played some games on a harder level uh, later with some other friends, and the uh, the stock price really mattered. Uh, the 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 debt really depressed the stock price, so that one of my friends was able to just buy me out at a very cheap price because my stock was so depressed. And that's the whole mechanism that. Uh, Julian was mentioning about how you end the game that seems like it needs to be a little bit more uh, developed um, because uh, once you – and it also has that RTS sort of snowball effect, right? Like once you take somebody over, you get all their stuff. So you have all their buildings. You have all their resource uh, extraction uh, points. And so it's very hard unless somebody else immediately takes somebody else out. You know, Once you take one or two people out and nobody else has done that, then you're really kind of on your way to winning the game. I will say that just um, as far as sort of those early decisions sort of having a defining shaping role on the game, that's true to an extent. But at the same time, an interesting thing that happens over the course of this game is that more and more of the map just keeps being revealed, right, as you play. And uh, it's definitely, it can definitely happen where you begin making those early decisions while you're still in ignorance of some of the map. And then more of the map is revealed and some of the resources you've gone really all in on actually it turns out they're incredibly common that you know someone else like everyone can extract these goods pretty easily and so it's, it's very easy to sort of in those early moments get a mistaken impression of what the game's economy is going to look like and again the other interesting the, the thing i kind of really enjoy is the guesswork about what the other players are going to do like okay i've got a head start on aluminum but the map's lousy with aluminum. So are you guys going to sort of chase me down that hole because it's just easy to get to? Uh, or are you guys going to sort of let me farm that and you guys are going to try to diversify into other sorts of goods? It's very interesting. and It's interesting, but it's also a little hard to... It, it's, a, it's a little hard to maybe have my calculations 
interacting with yours in some ways, if, if that makes sense. Like, it feels like a little bit yeah. like the board game problem of I end up playing a little bit of a solitaire game because while your decisions are going to impact me a great deal, um, it's, it's still very hard for me to, like... To, to be able to have any expectation for the shape that the rest of the players are going to give this game's economy. But but I think that there's, you know, th- that multiplayer solitaire thing, I think, is heavily alleviated by the screw your neighbor system, right? There's a black market where you can um, buy EMPs to knock out buildings or uh, mutinies to actually take over the productions of certain buildings, um, actually destroy certain buildings and have to have them rebuilt. Um, there's even, uh, you know, pirates you can put in the way so that if you've got an opponent who's been dumb enough to uh, spend a lot of effort building sort of a, res- a remote colony of production facilities, you can actually put pirates in the middle and siphon off all of the stuff that gets flown back to back to his base, to your base instead. And so... I feel like those tools are there. Um, they're not particularly well explained or explicit when you just first sit down to play the game. Um, but, you know, in, the, in a bunch of the games that Bruce and I played, we spent at least as much time beating up on each other as we did building up our own resources. And it costs money to do that. It's not free to start nuking your opponents. Um, and while it's not a military game, the combination of that and the whole hacker system for manipulating the market um, which is another whole path that you can either ignore or invest heavily in, I really, I think, does give you a little bit more control over the global market and the roles of your competitors um, than perhaps you're letting on. It definitely doesn't feel like a board game to me like Agricola, where the only thing you're deciding is whether or not somebody else took the thing you wanted, right? There's real interaction here that, that I think is, it's still a little nascent, it's still a little under the hood, um, but I think as more of that gets exposed, I think it's, I'm really excited for where this game is going. Yeah, I agree with you that it, it's not uh, it's not so board gamey. Troy has a very pensive look on his face. I feel like he has something to offer us on that point. No, no. I mean, I I don't know. I'm I've I haven't played as much multiplayer as you guys have, but I do wonder if it does lean. It's kind of this weird mix of a city builder and a railroad tycoon, right? You spend a lot of the time focusing on your own colony and building your own little thing. And yeah, I mean, Rob's right. I can scout and see what you guys are doing, and I can maybe bomb you with some EMPs. But there's not a lot of room for the cooperation, for example, though, to, no way to, to, to cooperate, instead of a little mini cartel, which might be a nice little bit of interaction. Yeah, there's no way to trade directly with somebody, for instance, which yeah, would make a no big difference. To, no way to uh, share, uh, to make little side deals. Um, the stock thing is, you know, purely aggressive and snowballs and wants to just, I mean, it, it is such an, an autarkic system where I can build pretty much anything. If there's a resource there, I can build it. And you, you, there are some maps where there aren't going to be any shortages. In some maps, there's going to be a shortage of everything. And if there's a shortage of everything, I'm just looking out for myself continually and starving continually, and it's going to be a longer game. If there's a lot of, if there's very little scarcity, then it really is just a rush to cash and getting those glass and goods markets up. And it changes the pace a lot. But even there, there's not a whole lot of Okay, what is this person, what is my opponent's strategy here? Because their strategy is going to be relatively the same, except for we should talk about there are different types of colonies. I mean, there's your basic colony, and there are specialist colonies that that don't need (coughs) certain resources, but require more of others. Um, And that's really the only 
strategic choice that you can pretty much tell from the beginning, okay, this person's going to be trying this type of game. Um, it's There's just so much going on. It's, it's a great-looking game, but the at this point, it's often hard to tell because of the iconography what exactly everybody is doing. Like, I can tell when my own things are gaining resources. I can't always tell when you guys, when your stuff's gaining resources or <laughs> at what rate, what's been improved, what hasn't. Uh, so it, sometimes it does feel, like Rob says, that I am in my own little bubble and the interaction is only really hostile or is the price going up or down. And that's okay. It's not necessarily, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I am saying there is a lot of, this is my colony and my mission isn't to, my mission is purely to just buy you guys out. You're just other targets. Now, it's not an aggressive military thing, but you guys are just, you're just there to be acquisition, things to acquire or to defend myself from being acquired by. Yeah, and that's a good point. And I think that, you know, the thing about this, this is something that the listeners should know is that uh, of, of all things that Soren was uh, influenced by, he says he's really influenced by uh, an old GDW game from 1979 called Belter, which is basically an asteroid mining game. Uh, and that has... Uh, you know, all sorts of very specific kind of um, resource extraction things that that I think Soren uh, got for this game. Um, but the thing that I was struck by when I pulled Belter out of the closet and said, oh, um, you, you sort of set it up. And the, the geography of the game, I feel, is very uh, important in Belter because it sort of sets this, it, the location of things matter. And the location of stuff in uh, off-world trading company matters as well because one of the mechanisms is the way that the resources are set up on the map, you go and, and uh, place a claim, which is I think Soren had mentioned that he was influenced by Mule in that sense. It doesn't really feel quite like Mule because in Mule you're actually kind of taking a bet on something, having something or not. Uh, it was like you were a prospector. Um, here you know what it, you already know the resource you're going to get. It's just sort of an artificial limitation um, on uh, how fast you can expand because you only get certain number of claims per level of your colony and it costs stuff to level up the colony, et cetera, et cetera. But it really matters where your um, where your resources are because one of the resources is fuel. And it costs you fuel to transport your resources from your extraction point to your colony. And it also takes time because they have these little spaceships. It's really a very well imagined game. I really, you know, hats off to Soren on and his team on, whole, you know, everyone who was working on it on this uh, for doing this. Um, you know, you have your colony and you have these this Martian landscape, and there's there's certain terrain that you can't build on. Um, the terrain is is pretty interestingly thought out too. But uh, you know, if if you're getting some crucial resource from all the way across the map. Um, it's going to cost all the fuel to fly from across the map to your colony. It's also going to take all that time. So, you know, you might be producing three times as much of whatever, you know, silicon as somebody else, but it's also taking you three times longer to get it to you because uh, it's, uh, you know, there's a, there's a certain amount of time when that stuff is just in transit. Um, so, but, but it's hard because you're so focused on your little colony that you don't really get a sense for that. You know, you don't feel like, oh, I have all these far-flung... Uh, you know, um, holdings that I'm trying to sort of corral. Uh, you just sort of look at the side of the screen and you see all these numbers ticking up and you see how much you're making. You see, you know, you watch your your uh, silicon tick up and you watch your glass tick up, you watch your goods tick up. Um, 
So I think that the fact that, you know, in a board game, every time you extract a resource from something, even if it's really far away, you have to go to that corner of the map and say, oh, remember, I've got this thing here, guys. I'm going to get this stuff out of this. And then you have to ship it and it, and it moves. Uh, and, you know, each you sort of get that. It, it focuses you every every turn. You're thinking, oh, that's another turn that my uh, my little transport craft is taking to get to my base. Uh, and you have to move it. You move it, you know, one, two, three, four. Here it's just it's just happening. I think it's even I think there's a there's a little bit of an information gap here that's even more egregious than that. Like it's a little hard to even remember how many buildings you have. Yes. And I, what they're all doing. I and I feel like there's just a tiny amount of information design on the screen, um, which, you know, he's got a year where he's even launching this game. I'm sure he's got plenty plenty in mind. But there's just a little bit of information that's non obvious. One of the things you're talking about is really supply line. Um, and particularly with the, you know, now that I've discovered how pirates work, supply lines are also really vulnerable. Like mm-hmm. I won a game yesterday um, almost entirely just by always buying the pilots and putting them in this one spot where I saw all the planes going mm-hmm. over. And every, you know, 30 or 40 seconds, all of a sudden I had hundreds of goods that I wasn't actually producing because I was just siphoning off my opponents. So. Exposing your supply lines, exposing exposing where you've made investments, and 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 uh, you know where the resources are on the map a little bit better. Those kinds of really subtle things, I think, will make this game even more interesting and uh, approachable for folks that aren't necessarily going to be uh, trying to keep all those balls in the air by themselves. Rob, what did you think? I mean, how did you uh, how did you experience our our multiplayer games? Uh, did you? You know, I think that um, uh, that there's a lot of, you know, I didn't even feel that there was so much trash talking back and forth because I think we were like kind of just focused on what we were doing. Yeah, for me, there was definitely a, a bit of a learning curve in that uh, my first games, I was really treating this like a typical RTS where I was like, I just got to just gotta plant that colony down and we'll just deal with whatever th- shows up. But I just need to get that jump on everything. And this is really it is a game that demands your attention and your sort of quick action when opportunities arise. It, it's it's weird. Like it, it's it's yeah. You have to pay attention to things. It sort of minds you for attention. But actually, th- this is more a game about knowing when to act than acting. Um, you're so limited in how many things you can build and what you can do. The the big leap for me was understanding that this is more about like finding opportunities than just making decisions to, to, to pass time. This is not an actions-per-minute game. It's more of a thoughts-per-minute uh, kind of game. Uh, so I, I, really, I, I really did enjoy that. I did enjoy that aspect. Uh, the, other, the thing that threw me, and I'm still, I'm still working through this, is that um, I, I'm trying to work out how much I should be worrying about making sure my colony is functioning correctly versus how much I should be uh, working the market versus, again, how much should I be trying to buy out other players? Because I think my, you know, I, I think my instinct tends to be, I'm always a bit of a turtler, and I think here the equivalent of turtling is just kind of making sure your ducks are in a row, right? <laughs> and that, like, you you get your sort of, your assembly lines are sort of ticking along and people are fed, there's power, you don't have to worry about that stuff. Um but the problem is if you begin if you're if you're sort of waiting for a late game boom to carry you through to victory uh both in some some couple of the last game we played yesterday and in some games I played uh since then the late game boom the problem is the 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 values you're dealing with in the late game are so different uh that it's 
you, you really kind of need to be getting in early uh, with, you know, you need to be get, buying up stock early. You need to be making sort of those, those early aggressive moves uh, pretty quickly because if you just wait until you've got every, all your ducks in a row and you're just like churning out high value goods, um, it, it, it's probably too late no matter how lucrative you're being. And that's kind of the, that's something I am, uh, I, I'm trying to figure out about this game is when is the, you know, what's the balance between sort of uh, vertically scaling up your company uh, versus starting to lay the groundwork for acquisitions? Yeah, you made a great point about the fact that your sort of actions limited. I mean, it's not actions permitted. It's how many actions total because uh, Soren has put in the claims system where, uh, you know, each level of colony only can, can has a certain number of claims. You can only build a certain number of things per time. So you really have to decide, I have this many slots. Uh, this is my strategy. I'm doing, you know, X, Y, and Z this time, uh, and then I have get another upgrade, and then I get another, you know, several more. But also with the with the stock market, because each player only has really ten stock slots, right? Only ten, you know, ten groups of shares, and so you have to really decide uh, whether you're going to buy somebody's stock or buy your own stock. Because buying your own stock prevents, pre- not prevents, but protects you from uh, being bought out because somebody has to have a lot more money to buy you out. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, it's all, it's all this sort of, uh, what am I going to do at this, at this second, you may not want to do anything yet, uh, or you may want to make a, you know, a crucial decision. You spend that money, you can't sell the stock. Uh, you know, once you buy in, you're done. Uh, once you put a claim down, you can't, I mean, you can, you can build a different thing there, but that's that you can't uh, change the claim that you're stuck with the claim. Uh, and so if, if you've built it on some resource, I mean, that's kind of what you get. So, uh, so I, I do appreciate that kind of pacing. And one of my friends was mentioning that the, it, the, the game kind of felt like DEFCON in sort of a certain way. It just was mm. very... Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Especially the pacing. And then at the end, you're sort of just crazily... I remember there was one where, where uh, uh, Julian took me out, I think like a half second before I was going to take him out. He just... We were both selling like crazy. And you could hear, you know, through the uh, <laughs> through the speakers, you know, the click, the ding, ding, ding. We, we were just selling all... All of our resources, because we were trying to get the last. You know, I had uh, like uh, nine of his, uh, nine out of the, or eight, eight of the ten of his uh, shares, and he had eight of the ten of my shares, and uh, we were just trying to get that last one, uh, and uh, and he hit it just before I did, and then I'm out of the game. Uh, but uh, fortunately, when you lose this game, you get three billion space bucks. So it makes, it makes you feel a little bit better about losing because you get this nice check on your screen. It's like, you're terminated. Here's three billion credits. I mean, a, a lot of the game at this point that I'm still trying to figure out is, is the one thing that I'm de- dealing with is what, what is the risk calculation? Like, how deep in debt can I go in the beginning? Uh, because you are sometimes offered extra claims. They come up, on, up for auction and an extra claim is a huge, huge deal early in the game, especially if you've done your first upgrade, which isn't that hard to get to. But it could be well to get to upgrade three or upgrade four. So an extra claim is a really, really big deal. And how much in debt are you willing to go to get that? What is it going to be worth to you? And because the economy is so much in flux, and as Rob says, because the value of a good changes so much from you know early game, mid game, end game, that calculation, especially with debt, can suddenly be quite, quite crippling if you get hit with a food and fuel shortage at the same time. That is, I'm still working this out in my brain, 
what can I, like other types of risk, like do I need to build an energy and sorry, engineering thing now, or is that something I can wait till as a level three building? Can I wait till level four, or should I do that now and just start upgrading? What are the risks and delays? There's a lot of stuff that's still I'm still working through, but the, I think the debt thing and the auction thing is the one I'm not quite sure the value of uh, for in the early game at this point. Yeah, I mean, part of what this feels like to me is, um, you know, when you're when you're prototype when you're playing a prototype of something, yeah. Oftentimes, um, and and then you see the final game. Oftentimes, what I see, particularly in board games that I'm I'm doing beta tests for, there'll be like 14 systems. And then the final game has four, right? And and some of it's just like you start cutting things out until mm-hmm. the fun's left. Um, I, I don't feel like that's where this game is. I feel like all of the systems in here are fun and interesting. It's just unclear when they get involved and whether you have time to use them all and whether or not they're balanced yet. And those are and that's a great place to be with a game that's this so you know still in early alpha. Um, but I don't feel like there are whole systems that need to get taken out. I mean, something like, you know, you talk about these engineering buildings, you can build these sort of super buildings and they either give you access to sort of new technologies, although not really in a tree system. It's things like, well, all of a sudden you don't need power. You use water instead. Um, yeah, or that, there's engineering yeah. buildings that, that just make your stuff more efficient. Like now you produce glass really well. And I feel a little bit like this game balloons so quickly, the pacing balloons so quickly. There's not a lot of time to explore any of that in an interesting way. It's like you've, you kind of got to know right up front yeah. that that's what you're doing. Um, that to me strikes me as a great problem to have because that's just a matter of figuring out the pacing and how you want things to grow. And those seem like really nicely fine tunable things for this game and maybe even things that can be exposed uh, as, as you know, uh, things you can set up as part of a scenario. So th- those, I think, are the core issues with the game right now are really about pacing and balance. But I think those are the easy ones in some ways. Yeah, I think that the the, the, the thing that is interesting about the way we're sort of exploring this game now is that I really think that the handicap thing matters a lot. And I think that stuff that because, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the stuff about, uh, you know, all your buildings are powered by water or, you know, you're, there's the perpetual motion machine and, you know, if your, your energy costs don't go down by 50 percent. Um, I think that... Uh, that a lot of those things become more important as you make the handicap tougher. I think I'm not sure where Soren and the team have decided that they want to put that, uh, you know, where the game is actually balanced and where you're either getting a, a benefit or a disadvantage, you know, where you're, where he's designed the game, which level, because, um, you know, the game has all the, has, you know, has, has resources that you compete for. It has sort of an interactive, uh, combat type thing where you, you know, uh, electromagnetic pulses, uh, uh, can knock out other players. You have mutinies, you have, uh, you know, space, uh, considerations. Then you have the, you know, I'm going to break the game, or break you know break the rules for this part of the game with the um, you know patents. There are patents on uh, something, and only one person can have a patent, right? So you have you built a patent uh, office, and then you just uh, you research various things, and that becomes exclusive to you. So you're right. It's almost like you have to say, okay, this is how I'm going to play this game if I have the available resources. Then you see you don't have the available resources, and you're thinking, oh, okay, now I'm going to play this game in a different way, and I'm going to go up this path. And so you sort of have to um, uh, know a little bit in advance because otherwise you just sort of are put things just sort of show up in front of your face, and you're like, does that make any sense for me? No. And you you uh, you kind of move on to the next thing. Um, 
I really think that, the, you know, I just had a, it was just sort of a moment of, it's just this eureka moment where I realized that I wasn't playing the game right because the debt really is supposed to matter, and it didn't because I was playing it on too easy a level. And I just wonder at what point I'm going to start looking at things like, oh my goodness, I'm never going to be able to build enough power. I need that, you know, water, uh, water power for my buildings, um, and I'm going to put a whole strategy uh, around getting to it. Uh, but the fact that they're exclusive, the patents are exclusive because, after all, they're patents. Uh, that uh, that could completely destroy your whole strategy. Somebody gets to gets it uh, gets there first. Then what are you going to do? So I'm I'm curious as to see how how the game gets sort of uh, tuned in in that way. Um, it, I would uh, I would think that there's a lot of tuning that's going to be left in in something like this. I mean, you need really rigorous, crazy all the time play testing on this game. Yeah, trying to figure out how to make all this fit together cuz yeah, the parts are all moving so quickly uh that like just breaking down what happens in a given series of interactions can be can be really difficult to to parse out. Um so let me ask you like you know, broadening this a little bit Obviously, we, we've all we've all enjoyed our time with the game. I, I'm curious now whether, whether you you think this sort of is is proving Soren's thesis, which is that the the RTS format has, has kind of been underutilized for uh, giving players different sorts of dilemmas and different types of scenarios. I mean, I don't know about underutilized. Uh, I know that uh, you know it can be used for many different themes, and it doesn't seem to be used for that many different themes. Um, I, I mean, there's still all the things in the... I mean, the, it, it's clearly an RTS game. You have resources, you have buildings, you have a uh, limited number of things you can do. You have time pressure. You have um, unique items that break certain game rules. Uh, and then you have sort of an end game state. The thing we haven't mentioned is that... Th I mean, this is really a game about money overall. I mean, regardless of whatever resources, it's not about, uh, you know, researching the ultimate you know, technology or, uh, you know, uh, building some kind of, you know, space wonder. Uh, it's about buying out all the other uh, players. And to do that, you need money. And what the, um, what the game really builds to is this, is this point in the game where you build what's called the uh, off-world trading company thing, uh, where you basically are launching rockets off of Mars to take your goods back to the, the off-world markets. And um, and the price is vary quite a bit. So you know you can have uh, aluminum that's worth three dollars per shipment, uh, or th three dollars per hundred in uh, on Mars, and it's worth five hundred dollars per uh, hundred on uh, on wherever Saturn. So you build the off-world trading thing, and then it's it's another way of of uh, well, it's the only way of getting a ton of money at one time because you'll you'll launch this uh, uh, this rocket. And it tells you that uh, you've made all this money, and all of a sudden you've got you know fifty thousand dollars, which you know you, getting getting a couple thousand dollars at a time during the game is a, is a big deal. And then all of a sudden you've got fifty grand, sixty grand at a time, and that's how you sort of accumulate all this money. And then you start you know really buying out all the players and taking them down. Um, so it, I mean it, it's it's a it's a real time strategy game about. Uh, I mean it has all the elements, and it has the super weapon at the end. It's just the sort of the theme. It's, you're not nuking somebody; you're nuking their stock. But uh, um, I mean, I think it it shows that you can use the RTS for for uh, a non 
non-combat focused game but i mean i i think that's been done well before i mean uh the the other game that this really reminds me of is rails across america um because uh-huh. it's i mean rails across america has no uh combat really and this game doesn't really have combat uh it has a very developed uh economic system that you don't really see all of right i mean you you build your rail lines and you uh set up your um uh, switching stations and upgrade your trains and everything like that but it's not a railroad tycoon game where you're trying to decide okay i've got 50 ore and i need to get them to newcastle and they're going to pay me this much um you know it's really more about the overall strategic uh plan of i'm going to get from new orleans to tulsa because that's a really good route nobody has it right now so then you build it and then you kind of figure out how to optimize it uh, later and, and it, a lot of the optimization is under the hood but then you have these things these these cards these uh uh rail strike um you know bad press uh bankruptcy fbi i can't i can't remember what all the things were um but it's a very uh it's a very cool little card game that you play uh and you have a hand there's like a defensive hand that you have and somebody plays cards against you so so it it adds a very uh, interesting immediacy. I'd like to see more of the player-on-player immediacy. I think that the Rails Across America model could work well for that. Um, and uh, so, I mean, I've, I've seen, I mean, that's, to me, Rails America, Across America is absolutely an RTS. Nobody would think of it that way because, you know, it's really, I think that gets filed as a tycoon game. But that's just as much of an RTS as Offworld Trading Company is. Right. And that's old, right? 2000, something 2000, like that? Yeah, 2000, 2001. Yeah. I mean, I I do agree with Soren that I think that the the RTS genre has gotten fairly stagnant. Um, there's not a lot of new stuff coming out, and there's a lot, what we do see seems to be um, retreading a lot of ground. I mean, the last sort of really interesting one, honestly for me, was probably uh, Sins of a Solar Empire. Um, you know, actually tried to do some interesting stuff, admittedly still with a lot of the same systems we've seen in other games. Yeah, um, so game. I do think that there's a real opportunity for innovation here. Um, I think the heavy focus here on on economics is really interesting. And, and um, really what I'd love to see is, is to to go even more whole hog into it. Like the whole stock market thing could be super interesting, right? There's There's almost a game of acquire to be played in this. Uh, it's not quite there yet. It's pretty simplistic. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, if, if he spent the next six months doing nothing, but building that system out, I'd be all in. That sounds great to me. Just a random question uh, for you guys. Have you guys ever been on the losing end of a, uh, stock buyout for a third party company? You mean in the real world? <laughs> no, uh, in, in the game, in, in the game, like you're, you're racing with another player to knock out uh, a, a, another, another. Oh yeah, corp. yeah, sure. Uh huh. Do you get the payout? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, because the the only thing for me is I felt a little bit like the the stock game could be a little zero sum at times, uh, and I, I would have liked yeah maybe a few more like strategic calculations that I could make in the stock game maybe a little bit like well it, you know it all happens so fast right I mean that that's part of the problem is it has this the whole game has this crazy late game boom that happens and so you go from you know you've been building your engine for fifteen minutes and then in the last three. Often all the stock buying happens and all, I mean, it just, everything happens all at once. So it's not like this long considered approach to the market and like, oh, I should invest in this because then this will go up for that reason. And I mean, there's not much consideration there. It's really just sort of what you do with your money to win at the end to me. 
right that's right it. what you're talking about there rob is sort of a an early to mid game it's a mid game consideration because what you can do is you can start you know buying pieces of everybody so as long as you don't get bought out uh you know you can make a nice little haul because you know you buy three or four of somebody else you don't end up taking them down whoever ends up buying them out you get a nice you know you get double the stock uh price right from any buyout and that happened to us uh uh, or happened to me, I guess, a couple times. I don't know if it was in, against in the games against you guys or other games, or maybe it was just against the AI. But I'd have some some stock in uh, a couple of other companies, and then somebody get taken out, and all of a sudden, you know, I have an extra, you know, twenty, thirty thousand uh, cash in the in my company because I got the uh, stock buyout. But I mean, you're right that there's stuff happens so fast, and you have so many demands on your money. That you know, it's almost always more uh, efficient or better for you to pay to buy your own stock as a sort of defensive measure because that forces uh, you know if I buy um, if if I buy eight of your stock and you only have two of your stock, then I'm only you know my, my ultimate buyout is only for uh, you know two of your shares times uh, two times the stock price whereas if uh, you've already gone and bought eight of your shares now you've got i'm paying four times as much and that's a you know it's a huge obstacle so defensive stock buying seems like it's always the better idea unless you're sure that you can beat somebody else to uh to a buyout so um i'm not sure that all those decisions are quite optimized i mean i think i think at this point there's some things that are clearly more beneficial to you than others i don't find that there's a, a good way to make a lot of money in the mid game because that money is always being reinvested in something else or you know you have to sit around and wait uh, for your resources because you know you can uh, this is something that the listeners should know is that when you're upgrading or building or doing anything you know the game really does a good job of making sure that you never have to actually have the resources you can always buy them and that you know includes building something without the resource and the game shows you the market value of what the resources are that you want to use so let's say i want to build a glass factory and i don't have the stuff's not in front of me but let's say i don't have enough steel i think you need steel for a glass factory or maybe it's just aluminum uh, aluminum and something else if i don't have it uh the it'll be grayed out but then as soon as i have enough money in the in my treasury to to buy whatever resources I would need on the open market, it'll enable the button, and I can just hover over it. It'll show me how much I'm paying, and then I can click on it. So you know you can you can always advance your colony by paying money instead of waiting for you to generate your your buildings to generate the resources that you need. Uh, and so it, it, there's an acceleration factor there because you know you really do need to get to that. Um, uh, to the you know launch your rockets for the uh, you know off-world markets phase, and the faster you can get to a level five colony, the you know the better off you are because you can only launch rockets from a level five colony. So it's not clear to me that getting there more slowly but accumulating more money is beneficial. It seems like it's the way we've been playing, and maybe it's just once again an artifact of the handicap that we're using is that it's always better to take that money, accelerate your builds in a upgrade your colony faster, build more buildings faster, and then take all that stuff on the back end, uh, which may be why we're having such crazy end-of-game uh, you know, pacing issues because 
we've all waited a whole game uh, with, you know, very little money and a whole bunch of debt. And then all of a sudden, bam, uh, you know, here's all the cash, right? It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like going to medical school, right? You just you're all just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and then you go to residency, and then all of a sudden, boom, you have a job, and then you know, all this money comes flooding in, and then it's it, it, everything's deferred, right? And we're playing the game that same kind of way, you know, everything's deferred, 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 and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, get your love five colony, thing shoots off into the sky, you're getting all this uh, thing, all this stuff coming into you uh, uh, like crazy, and it really changes the pacing at the end of the game. It's been interesting watching how some of the AIs play the game because uh, they seem to like it seems to me they have different personalities based on the name they get. Right. So like uh, Miss Espionage uh, w- will tend to rely on like dirty tricks, maybe a little more. Mm-hmm. And the, the character I've learned to really fear is Mr. Stock mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because Stock. Mr. Stock pl- doesn't play the late game uh, as much. Mr. Stock uh, is kind of an unassuming AI uh, that is quietly but aggressively from from the earliest stages of the game beginning to get stakes in other companies when everyone's stock price is still really low. And this is this is the interesting thing. That that late game explosion, especially once the off-world company's founded, which is basically like a that's your doomsday clock, right? Like right. once you got people just rocketing all this industrialized crap off of Mars uh, back to back to the rest of the solar system. They're going to be getting these huge lump sums of cash, but stock prices begin to soar uh, in the late game. Mm -hmm. Usually as everyone's just much more valuable uh, as a company. So Mr. Stock earnings. Yes. Mr. Stock is actually very cleverly sort of getting maybe 30% of the way to an acquisition uh, early when the stock price is really depressed. And then in the late game, it's a much shorter run to begin knocking people out one after the other. Mm. Um, whereas I, I certainly tended to play a very deferred strategy, which was, all right, once I've got a fantastic, you know, finished goods economy set up, then, then I'll see about winning the rest of this game. Right. And that didn't work. Hmm. But I was I was interested how exciting this this game actually turned out to be. Um, it was, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of trading games. There's a lot of like little capitalism games. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, certainly in tabletop as well. Uh, Julian, I think you like you and I played a lot of um, Acquire is the uh, stock game we play where you sort of build the companies yep. out on yep, the map. Saxon's Acquire Classic. Yeah, yeah, and. This is this kind of gets that same sort of joy of like cutting a really sh- like making a really sharp deal, being a real shark at times. It gets that pleasure, but having it unfold in real time competitively with all these other players doing things on the same market is incredibly thrilling in a way I did not anticipate it would be. Mm-hmm. I just wish it was we could do more with it, right? That's that's the thing. It's like I wish that there was like if you could sell your stock back into the market, right? Yeah. That would be that would yeah. be really intriguing, right? Because then there'd be a whole nother pathway here where you could build just enough of an economy to maybe get some early shares of stock in a bunch right. of folks, yeah. sell those back into the market. Now you've got a bunch of money, you could do a you know, a boom expansion of your industrial base. I mean, that would be really exciting. So I, I I'm hoping that there's more going to happen there. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be interesting to be able to use that. You can invest in the companies themselves, and then get your investment out. I mean, it's it's it seems very strange to have a comp- uh, a game that's built around a market, uh, but then have the actual stock uh, part of that be so one way only. So, um, I believe uh, Offworld Trading Company is on sale for pre order. 
uh, right now. The Founders Edition is thirty-five dollars, mm-hmm. uh, but Steam Early Access is not going to be be available until twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you can you can uh, pay for the eighty dollar Founder Elite version right now, which will get you into the very same prototype that we're playing. Um. So it's it's interesting. I, I find it, uh, you know, I think the DEF CON c- comparison is actually really apt because this is, what I liked about this game is we sat down for just a couple hours, right? And mm-hmm. we cranked right. through a lot of games and they were all really different and they were all really satisfying. It, mm-hmm. it gets that, it, it, it's interesting. You're not, you're not making a huge commitment to play any one game, right. but in a way I kind of feel that really delightfully lowers the barrier to actually playing this game mm-hmm. uh in a way a lot of other rts's i'll look at the I'll look at my watch and be like uh, i don't i don't have the potentially hour hour and a half to commit to this right. but here right. you can just bang out so many games so quickly and uh you know play, play like play through the entire arc of the game uh it, it, it's 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 really it's really neat in, in that regard one of his uh soren's uh goals was to have a game that you could play over lunch wasn't that his something he said i think yeah, yeah, I believe it was. Well, it definitely, it definitely is, right? And it doesn't. And I, I get that that might be part of why the time compression is there, um, but but I feel like there's. Um, it, it, I mean, the the comparison to Sins of a Solar Empire, I keep coming back to because we all played that sort of in its early stages as well, and then saw how that fleshed out. Um, and one of the things that the the brothers did there when they were making it was they started exposing more and more and more of those options, so that when you were setting up the game. You know whether you wanted to play at lunch or not was a pretty easy thing to fine tune in terms of how you set that scenario up. Um, and uh, I, you know, we we played one game um, uh, with Rob and Bruce where we put it down on the slowest uh, speed level, and all of a sudden it became ponderous, but still really interesting. But all of a sudden, you know, those decisions seemed to matter so much more. Um, because you had so much time, and you know, if somebody nuked one of your facilities, it just seemed to take forever for it to come back online. And so, I, I think there's real opportunity for this game to live in a couple different places really successfully. You know, the question is, I mean, at this point, if you if you buy the Founders Elite Edition, you get you get the extra game key, uh, you get into the prototype. Um, you know, worth a recommendation, or you, or you guys, if it was if it was your money, you're about to plank down. Would you still want to be holding out, maybe, for a more finished version? Do you think it's 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 something where you want to wait before diving into this? I don't know. I mean, I don't know what eighty bucks is worth to anybody. Yeah. I mean, it's it's impossible <laughs> for me to say. Um, I mean, I in, I really enjoyed playing it with you guys. I I will play it again. I mean, I've I was just playing it with another friend uh, before. Uh, we got online here. We got Troy into it, and we did have he lost his connection. The game actually, I thought the, it was unstable because the game crashed, but it didn't. Troy uh, lost his connection. No, uh, my I friend know. that was hosting it uh, lost connection okay. briefly, and it, and we we became AI on his screen. But it wasn't the game's fault. Because uh, I don't put like ripping the land cable out of the back of his computer. I don't put that past Troy. Nah. <laughs> I, I could I could totally believe that of Troy. Yeah. Now we uh, no, no, not in this game. Well, we. Um, we had a, uh, a a nice little game that would would have been finished in probably another, you know, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, and we'd only been playing for maybe ten or fifteen minutes. Um, I, I'm I'm really enjoying the game. I'm going to play it more. Uh, I'm going to try to get up to the highest difficulty, um, just because I really want to see how the systems interact at that point. Um, and um, I'm certainly up for more games with you guys. Uh, I I recommend checking it out, but I mean, I can't I can't yeah. speak to whether it's eight, worth eighty bucks for any particular person. Yeah, at this point, I think unless you really, really want to see this game right now, 
I'd recommend waiting for the early access and check out some previews. It is still, you know, kind of rough in places. Not all the tutorials it, are especially clear. It has it has some bugs they need to work out. Um, and I mean, but right now it's certainly a fully functional game. It plays better than much of the stuff that is in early access. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, it it looks great. So much of the art is outstanding. The UI uh, is better than I would expect at this point. Yeah, they're still going to have to do some UI work. I mean, I think that that that, that problem with knowing where your stuff is and yeah. what's really happening. I mean, th- I think there's I think there's stuff to be done there. But sure. uh, but but, uh, for, but, for the, the, but for the state the game is in, it's, in a, good, it's a good state. But I agree. it is still the state that it's in. Yeah. Um, it's still very so, early. Yeah. yeah. So I would recommend you know holding off. Um, at least for probably till early access, and you know maybe we'll do another show when it comes for release. Uh, but if, but hey, it's a game from our intern, so we had to check <laughs> it out. And uh, he just continues to impress. Yeah, he's gonna go places that intern of ours. Yeah, I think I think for me, it's like I'm enjoying. You know, in a weird way, like I'm enjoying the game a great deal. And I think if. If this were a board game, it's the sort of thing where I'd be standing there in the board game store, and I remember playing it with you guys and be like, "Oh hell with it!" Like, what, what, what do they charge? Hundred? Okay, I'm grabbing it. Whatever. Just don't tell. Don't tell my <laughs> girlfriend. Like, I'm walking out of here with this. That's great, but it's 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 weird. I I do worry a little bit. Like, um, I want uh, yeah, I want to see where the, I want to see where this game goes. Maybe a, a little more before I make it like give an unequivocal recommendation. I think right now what you're guaranteed is. A, a fair number of really good multiplayer sessions, uh, but but I am kind of curious, like what part you you already heard sort of things we'd like to see evolve and maybe get a little more uh, detail, a little more clarity uh, layered in as as the game evolves between now and uh, its release next year. Uh, so yeah, I think definitely if 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 you are really dying for like a uh, you know a, a DefCon style quick hit multiplayer game. I, I think this is probably one of the the, the best uh, members of that little family uh, I've seen in in absolute ages. Uh, but uh, you know, for for the reasons we've listed here, is it, I think you'll still be amply rewarded for probably waiting a little bit and seeing where this game goes. I'm also just I'm also just baffled where the campaign game is going to end up. Uh with this. I'd be very interested to see how a campaign is going to work in this game. Um I, I hope it's going to be like uh you know, Wall Street basically but on Mars. Uh that would be that would be my ideal. Isn't it going to be did, did you take a look at the campaign? Uh, I started playing around with it a little bit, but it just seemed like a multiplayer game. Well, isn't it going to be like the historical, like kind of like a historical recreation of what actually happened on Mars when people took it over and mined it for <laughs> resources? But they would just, I mean, if you know the story, then there probably isn't much there to, to, to Right, exactly. To it's, it's, you know, it's been done so many times. It's just like Gettysburg at this point. I mean, yeah, who even much. cares? Exactly. All right, everybody. Uh, that'll do it for Offworld Trading Company. Uh, until next week, this has been Three Moves Ahead. Thanks so much for joining me on Sunday afternoon. It's so good to have the uh, panel back together, and let's do it again. Rock and roll. Goodbye, gamers. Bye, y'all. Bye-bye.